Well, I just want to say it's good to be back home. Uh, met with uh, the, the church. Met with the church in Hungary and Switzerland and Serbia and a number of places this last two weeks. Had a an amazing kids year released. Thank you so much for being here this morning, being with us. Had a fantastic time. We spent the first week meeting with the leaders in uh, from the church in Sikahid and the leaders from Uska, the two churches we worked with this summer with the youth group, meeting with their leaders, talking about leadership-type things. Um, most of these people, none of them, none of these people have ever been to Bible school, uh, but any kind of uh, training. They've, they've uh, taken, they've, they're in the Bible school that Dan and Marta have done. It's a two-year online school. But as far as having practical uh, education in being a pastor... Um, you know, in reality, I haven't either. I had 25 years or so, 20 plus years of working with in this profession. You learn a lot of things by accident. But I also had good people to walk with. I had good people to, to model ministry after. Uh, where these folks, they're on their own. They're, they're in the, literally in the frontier. But we had an amazing time, a wonderful time, mostly talking about how to follow the Holy Spirit. Uh, how to be led by the Holy Spirit, how to allow, let God uh, be God, and how to trust Him. And, and, and a, uh, spent the whole week talking about uh, vision, setting vision. M- the problem with the, the Roma people, as a people as, as a whole, is they have zero vision. If you, could see, if you could say they have negative vision, it would actually probably be almost uh, ad- adequate, uh, accurate you know, saying. They don't have, all they can think about is where their next meal is coming from. All they can think about is how do I survive today? Uh, I've been there in the fall, this time of the year, in their village. And uh, you look around and there's no woodcut for the winter. They heat uh, entirely by wood. And... Uh, that you ask them, they say, "Well, how, you know, where's your wood supply?" And they say, "For what? It's warm. It's nice. Why would we cut wood?" Well, because winter is coming. Oh, we'll cut it then. Well, if you've ever heated with wood, you know, wet wood isn't a good uh, isn't a good wood supply. And so they they don't think beyond the moment. And and just talking about vision, talking about the future, and talking about that that life can be different. They, they have no concept uh, whatsoever that life could be different than what they're experiencing right here, right now, in that moment. Um, it was interesting, uh, for those who have gone on the trip uh, this last summer, we stayed at the same uh, pension in, in uh, uh, Kolche, uh, Hungary. And it's a nice place. It's, uh, it's kind of like a camp. Uh, you know, here it would be on the level of Birchhaven Camp. That's about how I would... How I would uh, you know, rank it in in the the facilities and things, and they thought they were walking around like this is like a mansion. This is this is like a this is God would live here. You know, I mean that kind of, must, This is what heaven is like, um, and just having them be in a different place, uh, seeing life differently, experiencing life differently, and by the end of the week they were going, you know, we could do something like this. That's what we're talking about. Helping them to see differently. If you've never been somewhere else, if you've never experienced something else, you don't know that there's a different way to live. That there's a different, that there's more, and not just stuff. 
You know, we talked about the, that God has a plan for their life and on a plan for their children's lives and their grandchildren's lives. And that, you know, that, that the plan that God has for them is bigger than what they can imagine. That their kids have the ability, through the grace of God, to go places they've never been and to experience things and to, and to help people in ways that they can't even imagine yet. They don't even know it exists. But one of the things that, that we talked about with them is you have to trust God and let those kids go. Part of the, part of the, uh, um, the trap that they're in is that the, the parents are so afraid of what they don't know that they won't let their kids out of their sight. Grown kids, teenagers, uh, college age, uh, adult children. If they can't, if they're not living in the same uh, neighborhood, then it's just, you know, they, they can't imagine allowing their children to be something more than what they are. And the, the plan that God has for, for the Roma people is so big. It's, it's so amazing. But they can't get there on their own. They just, they, they don't, they just, they don't know anything else exists. But we can be that same way. We can get so caught up in the moment that we're experiencing that we don't know what's beyond that. We don't have a, we just don't have the perspective that God has. That there's more, that there is a different way to live, a bigger, fuller way to live. And when we read about it in the Word, we go, oh, wow, that'd be nice if that happened. But unless we trust Him and take that step out, we'll never experience it. Whether it be uh, financial blessing, financial prosperity, whether it be health, uh, health beyond what you're experiencing at the moment. Uh, whether it be protection, whatever, whatever God's word says we can have, we can have it, even if it doesn't make sense to us right here and right now. We get stopped so many times because we have not experienced it. Nobody else we know has experienced it, so we don't dare go there because that, that's a scary place. Because what if God isn't there? What if God doesn't show up when, I, when I'm believing that he's going to, to do something miraculous? How do we deal with that? And that's what I want to talk about this morning. But also, the, uh, we were able to spend time with Pastor Attila, quite a bit of time, quite, quite a bit more than we expected to, um, because uh, uh, we went to, his, to their 10th anniversary, and we were able to speak there for just a brief time and greet the people. They send their greetings, uh, the church in, in uh, Tangleets and Solnok. Uh, send their greetings to you. And then we spent uh, four days with Pastor, uh, uh, really good friend of mine, his uh, <laughs> Thomas, Pastor Thomas Lonke. Uh, spent four days with them celebrating their anniversary. Uh, fantastic time, wonderful time in God. Their, their church sends their greetings. And then we were able to go back and meet a young man that Dan and Marta uh, befriended uh, many years ago. Uh, he was going through a really rough time in his life. Uh, he's he's just he's he's you know those you know one of those kind of lives you may identify one of those kind of lives where where it just you you're doing the best you can and things just keep happening, things keep knocking you down, keep, things keep tripping you up, keep keep uh, stealing and killing and destroying in your life, and uh, in the midst of that, Dan and Marta met him and befriended him. And uh, he even said to me this week, he says, if I had not met them, I would not be alive today. He said, they literally saved my life. 
uh, his, his uh, family threw him out um, when he was a young man, would lock the doors, would not let him back into the house even to get his own clothing. They wouldn't feed him. They wouldn't help him with food. He had no job. The people that he knew uh, rejected him. He just, uh, he was in a horrible situation. And uh, literally, Dan and Marta would weekly drive food down to Serbia and bring him food. And then were able, in instrumental in helping him uh, get to England to uh, continue his education. He became a lawyer, of all things. I mean, you know, I mean, could that be the grace again or the plan of God? But it certainly is, because he went back to Serbia, uh, began to work as a lawyer um, through a, a series of God events, absolutely amazing God events. Uh, he was hired by the government to be a sheriff. What, uh, you know, sheriff in the oldest sense of the term. Can you think of the sheriff of Nottingham? Uh, he collects debts for the government. But he's, but he's a believer. He's a Christian, and by the Spirit, he does it, and, and the people love him. Because when he comes in, he goes, okay, here's what we're going to do. He says, you're going to keep your house, but we are going to pay this debt. How are we going to do it? And God has given him wisdom, uh, supernatural wisdom, to, uh, to, to collect those debts. And he's become extremely professional, extremely profitable within his own country. And that's a, that's a testimony of itself. He has this huge office, all these people working for him now. Um, he has a chauffeur. Uh, it's just, you know, I mean, it's amazing what God has done in just a, just a couple. I mean, I think it's like three or four years that God has changed this. And that's not the whole story. He then was invited to come to the EU, to Brussels, to uh, to be a part of a conference, and when he got there, there was only two from all of Europe that showed up. And they, they turned to him and said, well, well, one of the things we were going to offer all of the different sheriffs from all over the European Union was a job as a representative for the EU, as a sheriff for the EU. Would you like the job? And he took that job. He's now a, a, a European Union official. Um, just God's just systematically, we were, we were teasing him that he, he's like Joseph. You know, he, he's gone from the dungeon to the, to the, uh, to the you know, high level of responsibility. When, when he comes to the border, Dan and Marta rode back to Budapest with him uh, the last time they were there in the summer. When he pulled up to the, uh, to the gate at the, at the passport control, the person looked into the car, recognized him from television. Oh, sir, have you had to wait very long? We're, we need to get you through quicker. You need to let us know next time that you're coming, and we'll make sure you go through. They said it's just the favor just keeps pouring out to this young man. And we were able to spend some time with him and just had a fantastic time. So God's working. God's doing some amazing things. The foundation that we had to form uh, to, uh, to begin the work that they're doing over there, uh, it's just systematically, the, the grace of God, the leading of God, how it worked out. We went in with one idea, and God completely changed it. And I can't get, tell you all the details. It's a really long story. But bottom line, uh, it was just going to be Dan and Marta and myself on this foundation. And, and by the leading of the Holy Spirit, uh, Thomas Lonke is now a part of it. He's going uh, to be, he's actually the vice president of it, of the foundation. And uh, Pastor Attila was uh, needed to be on there for, for some specific reasons. And it's just, I'm telling you, that's what God does. He, that's why we have relationships that last over, over year after year. Those relationships is the provision that God has for us. We cannot 
use relationships or, or abuse relationships we, or, or even throw away relationships. We don't know how God is going to provide at any given moment um, through the people that he's brought to you. You don't know what, what 10 years is going to look like or five, you know, 11, 12, 50 years, how God is going to be, bring provision into your life through other people. So just, it was one of those trips where just everything fell in line. So thank you for your prayers. Uh, thank you for, for being a part of it uh, in so many ways. That it is, it is definitely part of what God is doing through us for the world. And so I just wanna, wanted to give that update, give that uh, um, uh, testimony of, of the grace of God. Amen? Amen. Turn with me to 2 Kings. We will, I promise, we will be getting back to doctrine, but uh, not today. Lord put this on my heart this morning. Even I, I had planned to do doctrine, but the Lord put this on my heart, and so this is the way we're going. Amen? It really is a continuation of the sermon that the Lord had me share two weeks ago. Um, fighting, that it's time to fight. We, we're not going to lay down and take it anymore. We need to stand up. We need to, we need to take the authority. We need to take the power. We need to take the anointing that God has given us as believers, as his children, as members of the body of Christ, and we need to use it according to the word. But in that, it means that we need to fight. We don't stand still. We don't let Satan steal, kill, and destroy any longer. Amen? 2 Kings chapter 6, 2 Kings chapter 6, and I'm reading out of the ESV, the English Standard Version, because it's good, it's solid, I like, I like it, because it's not changing and movable. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 24, beginning with verse 24. Afterward, Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, mustered his entire army and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And as, as they besieged it, until a donkey's head was, worth, was sold for 80 shekels of silver, and a fourth part of a cab of dove's dung was five shekels of silver. Okay, things are bad. Things are bad. If you're starting to think of eating donkey brains and, and or donkey heads and dove dung, that's bad. So whatever you're going through right now is not donkey's heads and dove dung. Don't try to say that. Just do it. Go ahead and say it. Donkey's heads and dove's dung. Try to say that three times really fast in, in, in public without saying something totally disturbing. All right. Things are bad. You think your life is bad? You've ne- How many of you have ever eat, had to eat a donkey's head? Exactly. Dove dung. Ooh, ooh, honey, can you make dove's dung tonight, please? How do you cook? I mean, how do you make dove's dung? And how, do you, how would you eat it? Very slowly, I think. I think I'd eat... What, what am I hearing? Chocolate covered, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Deep fried, you know. <laughs> on a stick, yes, on a stick. Dove's dung on a stick. 
that's bad. Okay, it's bad. What's happening? There, these, this, this whole entire army has come and besieged the area, meaning that means no food in or out, no water in or out, no supplies. It's gotten so bad. They're eating stuff you should not eat. I'm not even going to tell you about the other part. You can read that on your own, what they were eating. They were eating each other. It's bad. The economy is bad. We have not experienced that level of economy here in America. Praise God. But it's bad. It can't. I don't know that it can get any worse than that right there. That right there would be the description of the worst case scenario ever in anyone's life. It's bad. Things are out of control. Go down to verse 32. Elisha was sitting in his house, and the elders were sitting with him. Now the king had dispatched a man from his presence, but before the messenger arrived, Elisha said to the elders, Do you see how this murderer has sent to take off my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door, hold the door fast against him. He is not the sound of his, is not the sound of his master's feet behind him. It's so bad, the king is blaming Elisha. Bottom line, we're going to see here in just a moment, he's so upset, he's actually blaming God. But he can't attack God physically. He can't attack Elisha physically. God, God had told Elisha, this is what's going to happen. This army is going to come, and they're going to take you. They're going to besiege you. You're going to, and it's going to get so bad that people are going to be eating each other. They're going to be eating stuff you shouldn't eat. And the king goes, see? I don't like Elisha. That's why I don't like Elisha, because he never says anything good about me. He never says anything. He's always, well, there might be something, there might be a reason for that. God was trying to get their attention. He was trying to, to help them to see that they, are, that they cannot keep living the way they were living. Now, this is Old Testament. This is, Old Testament. This is how God did things in the Old Testament. But the, the takeaway of this is, it's bad. And it's so bad, the king is ticked. And, he's, and he wants to find out where Elisha is, and he's going he's gonna to send this, this uh, uh, messenger. He's going to send this messenger to find Elisha, and then he's going to use that to find Elisha and kill him. So just when you think you're doing God's work, then the, everything, everybody tries to kill you. That's a wonderful, a wonderful uh, reward for doing the will of God. Amen? Verse 33. And while he was still speaking with them, the messenger came down to him and said, This trouble is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? The king didn't humble himself. He got more angry. The king didn't go, You know what, God? I repent. We're sorry. We humble ourselves. You tell us what to do, we'll do it. No, he said, this trouble's from God, and, I, and why should I wait for God? That is the epitome of self, of pride, of, of self-aggrandizing. Uh, uh, Sorry, it's the only word that I could think of. And I thought, That's a big honking word. It's the right word, but it's a big honking one. Putting yourself on a pedestal. It's your fault, God! And I'm not waiting for you any longer. I'm going to take care of this myself. This is what happens. Verse, or chapter 7, beginning with verse 1. 
But Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow about this time a say of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two says of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. What in the world? Things are horrible. This is the worst possible scenario. Everything is falling apart. Everything is bad. There is no way that there could any be an answer for this problem. This is just wrong. And then and there's, this is so wrong that everybody's ticked at God going, why did you do this to me? Why are you making me go through this? And just then the word of the Lord, that's the most important part. The word of the Lord says, don't worry, tomorrow everything's going to be just fine. Don't worry. Yeah, I know it's bad right at this moment, but tomorrow, the exact opposite is going to be true. Now, you would think they'd be happy about this. You'd think they'd be excited. You'd think that, that the king's officials would be, uh, would be overjoyed that God has, has decided now that it's not going to be horrible anymore, that it's going to be just fine but here's what they do. Then the captain on whose hand the king leaned said to the man of God, If the Lord himself should make windows in heaven, this could this thing be? Here's this guy who's trying to kill Elisha. He's chasing Elisha down. He's blaming God. He's breathing threats. He's there to take off Elisha's head. So Elisha goes, All right, tomorrow everything's going to be just fine. And instead of being happy, the guy goes, Nah, I doubt it. It ain't going to happen. There's no way it can happen. God, not even God can fix this situation. Stop. Back up three feet. Put yourself in this situation. Whatever situation you're going through right at this moment, think about it. The, the, the rough thing, whatever it may be, finances, health, uh, something with your family, your kids, your brother, your sister, your wife, your husband, your job, whatever it is that you just think it can't get any worse than it is right now. That's the, this, this is as bad as, this, as that it could ever get. That, you know, nobody wants to be there. Nobody wants to experience that. But then the word of the Lord, now that's the important part, the word of the Lord this wasn't Elisha's opinion. This wasn't, uh, you know, I think I'm going to prophesy something good. No, the word of the Lord came and said, tomorrow everything's going to be just fine. They'd been in this situation for so long. It had been so rough, so out of hand. They could not even imagine, with God's help, that things could get better. We do that exact same thing. You've been walking through something for so long that's been so bad and so horrible, and it's not gotten any better, no matter what you seem to do, no matter what you, well, how you apply yourself, no matter what your answer has been, it just seems like it, it cannot get any better. But the word of the Lord comes and says, tomorrow is going to be just fine. And our first answer is, yeah, right. Yeah, right. We can get so cynical. We can get so uh, blinded 
by the problems of this world. Hey, this world has problems. This world has stuff that wants to kill you, to destroy you, to steal from you. Jesus said that. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But, but, and that's the word of the Lord, but I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. Yeah, right, God. Do not raise your hands. Please do not raise your hands. If anyone has ever thought that when hearing a scripture verse that counteracts with the exact situation you're, you're, you're dealing with and says, no, really, here's how it should be, your answer is, right. I don't think so. Not even if God came down and he did it himself could this change. That's rough. That's a tough place to be in. That marriage that just seems to be just a, so, so much of a struggle. That it does, it, it, if God came down and smacked him upside the head, he'd never change. Or vice versa. I just figured it'd be safer to say it that way. Yes, yes, yes. That financial situation you're in, it is so bad. You have done everything. I have done everything. Brian saying today, I've done everything. Really, have you? Really? I've known a lot of people who have said that to me or, or, or just sharing their testimony going, you know, I thought I had done everything. I thought I was being so obedient. I thought I was doing everything right. I, I've, I've been in situations that way myself, thinking I'm just, I, I've done everything God's told me to do. God, is there anything that you've told me, anything that you're leading me that I didn't do yet? Holy Spirit says, well, yeah, there was that thing I asked you to do. Anything other than that God, anything. But oh no, it's God's fault. The official, the official goes, goes, it's God's fault. God's, God's the one. And even if he came down, he can't fix this situation. Am I getting close to where you feel yet? Because I know you do. You're a human being. I'm a human being. We've dealt with these things. We've gotten into so much, you know, this, this pattern of, of whatever Satan has you've been using to kill, steal, and destroy for so long that when God brings the answer, he brings the word. Our answer is, yeah, yeah, right, sure. He might do that for somebody else, but he's not doing that for me. We do that, we get into that place, and when we get there, we can't receive. We can't receive, because even if God did the miraculous, you'd go, yeah, whatever. Two thousand seven. My mom was diagnosed with, a, with fungus, of all the weird things, fungus on her brain. And it grew and kept growing to the point where it was debilitating. It caused blindness, debilitating headaches, couldn't stand, couldn't walk. She went blind in one of her eyes. And we asked, we said, Mom, can we pray for you? Can we, can we lay hands on you and pray? And she goes, yeah, I'll do, I'll do whatever, anything. So we prayed for her. And she went back 
her next visit to the doctor, and the doctor ran all the tests, and he came back into the room, and he says, Kate, he said, it's gone. It's gone. It's all gone. It's completely gone. She called us up. She got home that afternoon. She called me up, and she said, John, you won't believe this. I said, try me. I didn't know what she was going to say. She goes, the doctor, this is Mayo. This isn't, you know, some veterinarian that, you know, in the small town. This is Mayo, Mayo Hospital. She said, the doctor came in, ran all the tests, and the doctor says, it's gone. It's completely gone. I said, Mom, praise God, that's awesome. And she goes, man, I don't believe it. I went, whoa, 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 mom, mom, believe it. It's, it just, you got the report. No, John, she goes, I, it's, that just, it can't be right. I, I don't believe it. I was like, mom, don't do that. And the headaches came back. And she went back in and it was back again. I can't believe it. Even if God came down, gave a word miraculous she died just a couple of weeks later a couple of months later i don't believe it i don't i don't believe it i can't believe god would do that yeah that was that was her faith she didn't believe it hear the word of the lord thus saith the lord Tomorrow about this time a say of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two says of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Then the captain on whose hand the, whose hand the king leaned said to the man of God, If the Lord himself should make windows in heaven, could this thing be? But Elisha looked at him and said, You shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat any of it. You're going to see it happen, man, but you're not going to eat any of it. You're going to die hungry. Lack of faith. Putting faith in the lie. Putting faith in the curse. You may see other people get healed. This is hard stuff. This is really hard stuff. This, I mean, if we're, we're, we're going to spend time talking about faith. We're going to spend time talking doctrinally about uh, the word of the Lord. Faith. Operating within that faith. And it's hard stuff. Because the lack of it will kill you. You're going to die. We're all going to die someday. But let's die when God wants us to rather than when the devil wants us to. That's what I'm, I'm in for. Hey, I, you know, heaven's going to be just fine. I'm, gonna, I'm looking forward to it. It's okay. I am looking forward to it. It's not like tomorrow, but I'm looking forward to it. But let's do it when God wants to call us home. Not when the devil wants to send you home. Chapter 7, verse 3. Now, there were four men who were lepers at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say, Let us enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. 
So now, come, let us go over to the camp of the Syrians. If they spare our lives, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. So they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians, but when they came to the edge of the camp of the Syrians, behold, there was no one there. For the Lord had made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of chariots and of horses, the sound of a great army, so that they had said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of of Egypt to come against us. So they fled away in the twilight and abandoned their tents, their horses, their donkeys, leaving the camp as it was, and fled for their lives." When, they came, when these lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent and ate and drank and carried off silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Smart guys. If you're going to be the first one to the spoils, save some for yourself. Even if you're a leper. They, then they came back and entered another tent and carried off things from it and went and hid them also. Then they said to one another, we are not doing right. You know, it took them two tenths, but they finally got there. (laughs) This is a day of good news. If we are silent and wait until morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. Here are four guys. Four guys that have leprosy. Leprosy, they were outside the wall for a reason. They're kicked out. They are not a part of the, 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 the community. They're not a part of the safety of living within the walls. They're outsiders. They're outcasts. They don't deserve anything. Just like and I, when I was thinking about this story, I thought about all those other people that were outcasts, that didn't, didn't deserve anything. The Syrophoenician woman who, who uh, came to Jesus and said, Heal my daughter. And he said, Why? I don't, I don't give bread to dogs. Other people with leprosy, the the woman with an issue of blood, should not have been in in the community. She shouldn't have been close to people. They're they're outsiders. They're not supposed to, to partake of the blessings of the community, the blessings of God within the community. These people are outsiders. They don't deserve the blessings of God. And yet, who are the very ones who receive it? It wasn't because they deserved it. It wasn't because they earned it, that they qualified somehow. The reason they received it was they took a step forward. And I love this story. It's one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible because you've got four guys that go, you know, if we sit here, we're going to die. And if we go over there, they may just give us some food. You never know. They didn't say anything spiritual. I wish that they had said something really super spiritual. Because then I could go, see, this is the trick. This, if you have faith like this, no, this was, I, I, I'm trying to find, grasp faith here. It wasn't that they had great faith. They just went, what the heck? I'm going to die here, or I'm going to die over there, or I'm, we're going to die, so we might as well, let's do something. And all they did different from everybody else was they started walking forward. They started going to where they knew the provision was. I wished it was more spiritual than that. I really do. 
But what happens is extremely spiritual. Because God moved on their behalf. Not because they said the right words. Not because they, they had great faith, it even says. But they just decided not to sit and, and experience what they were experiencing at the moment. They decided what we're experiencing right now stinks. Let's go somewhere else. Let's live a different way. Let's go over there. Whatever you're experiencing right now, whatever the threat is on your safety, whatever the threat is, whether, no matter what it is, you know what I'm talking about. Whether it's lack, whether it's sickness, whether it's death, whether it's a bad prognosis, whether it's this, whether it's that. Okay. Okay, you're going to die. Let's go over there. Let's try God's way. Let's, let's go where the provision is. And God says he has the provision. Let's, go, let's do that. Whatever that is. If, you, if, if the prognosis is you're going to die, believe for healing. What are you going to lose? If the prognosis is you're going to lose your business, okay. You know, you notice that they didn't say, well, if we stay here, I know that everything's going to turn out fine. I'm just going to sit here and wait for God. No, they knew. They were honest about the situation. If we stay here, we're going to die. I'm, I'm I'm becoming more and more comfortable in the fact that God's not worrying when, when we properly diagnose the the moment when we say this is the way things are i just don't like the way things are let's go over there okay the prognosis is you're going to die okay the prognosis is i'm going to die if i stay here if i just if i just experience the way the way things are going to naturally unfold i'm going to die or i can go try something different I'm going to go over where the provision is, even though it looks dangerous, even though it looks outside of the, the boundaries of safety. The wall was safe. The wall was, you stay inside the wall, they're not going to come in here until we all die. If we just decide to go over where the provision is, that's dangerous over there. What if, it do, what if, what if they kill us? Then we die. Die, die. There's a chance, though, they might, get hit. they might give us some food. Let's try it, because there's no food here. There's no provision here. There's nothing going on here. I might as well go try something different. But it's scary. There's an army over there. They got swords and spears, and they got ways of killing you that would hurt. Well, I'm going to die here, and it's going to hurt. Yeah, I've never starved to death, as you can tell. But I've heard it's very painful. Whatever, whatever is ailing your finances, it hurts. And if it doesn't turn around, you're going to be destroyed. Okay. Why don't you believe God? Okay, let's try God's way. I mean, what? why not? Got nothing else to do. I mean, if, if I don't do anything, it's going to fall apart. Let's take a swing at it. <laughs> let's get up. Let's change where my position is. Let's change 
my trajectory. My trajectory could be I could just sit here and take it and expect God to bail me out. Does God do miracles even if you don't do anything? Yes. We, we've heard it. We've seen it. We've, I've heard the story. I've, I've experienced myself where God, by, the, by His grace, does something. But more times than not, it means we have to do something. We have to, we have to do something outside of, of our natural desire, our natural comfort zone. It may mean praying something you've never prayed before. But it's not not acknowledging the moment. Pastor Dan Dennison shares this story, and it, I heard this 20-plus years ago, and it still applies. He, went, he got a phone call. One of his leaders in the church over in River Falls was sick. And Pastor Dan goes to visit him at his home, and he knocks on the door, and the wife opens the door. And he can hear the guy in the other room throwing up. Pastor Dan goes in, knocks on the door of the room. He says, hi, this is uh, Pastor Dan. Can I come in and pray for you? And the guy goes, oh, yeah, come on in, Pastor Dan. He's laying on the bed. Looks terrible. Pastor Dan goes, I hear you've been sick. Oh, no, I'm not sick. Trying to be faith man. Oh, no, I'm not sick. Pastor Dan goes, I heard you throwing up. Oh, yeah, that's, that's just the symptom. I'm not sick. That isn't the point. The point isn't, is denying what, the, what reality is. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were about to be thrown in the fiery furnace, they said, well, here's the deal, king. You could throw us in the fire and we'll die. But we're not bowing down to you. They weren't denying the fact that if you throw me into the fire, they're most likely in natural history, in, in the way things work, it's not going to work out for me. But I'm not going to bow to you. By, de- by, by declaring that something that is, you know, the, the word doesn't say uh, that, that the God is the God who makes those things that are as though they are not. That's not a perfect translation. Well, it's not a truth at all. I mean, it's, I completely butchered it, had to get it to that point. It says that he's the God that calls those things that are not as though they are. It isn't denying the fact that, hey, my finances are, in, are a mess. My marriage is a mess. My, my health is a mess. Okay, God, here I am. I have, I have nothing to go on here except your word. And when he gives you the word, when he g- tells you what that word is, then you can head in that direction whether it makes sense or not to you, whether it makes sense or not to the natural world, whether it makes sense or not to the yeah, to the doctor himself or, or the economist or whoever it may be. You, you don't just take what it is and say, okay, well, I'll just, okay. No, the word, there's the, the word is that. It is the word of God. It's full of things that say things are different than what you're experiencing right now. And you can believe that. You can put that into into you can put that into into your heart. You can you can stand on it. You can move forward with it, and and let's see what happens. If nothing happens and you die, I'll see you later. But just maybe, just maybe, you'll see a miracle. 
like those odds. The second odds are better than just staying and taking it. We need to fight. Don't sit and take it. Well, maybe God led me here. Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. That's truth. That's the word of the Lord. So what happens to the guy who said, even if God shows up, he can't stop this? Let's read on. The king rose in the night and said to his servants, I will tell you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we're hungry. Therefore, they have gone out of the camp to hide themselves in open country, thinking, when they come out of the city, we shall take them alive and get it. Talk about a pessimist. Well, you know, the cancer is in remission now, but, you know, you just, you never know. You never know when it might come back. Put in your hope in God. Put in your trust in God. Believing that what he said to do, you can do, you can experience it, you can walk in it. You know how many times I opened up the news this last week knowing that I was going to have to travel through Amsterdam and fly on an airplane full of probably West Africans. (laughs) And Satan the whole time is going, you're going to get Ebola. You're going to catch it. I know you are. You shouldn't have come here. You shouldn't have served God. Don't don't do what God don't don't trust God. John G. Lake, you ever heard of John G. Lake? He was in Africa at the time of what what outbreak was it? It was some it was the bubonic plague. He was in Africa during the, the time of the outbreak of a bubonic plague. And he was working directly in the hospital with bubonic plague sufferers. And somebody came up to him and says, how can you do this day and night and you're not, it's not affecting you? And he goes, because God is healing me. God is protecting me every moment. He went over, he says, come with me. And he went over and they had a microscope. He had put his hand out. He took some of the bubonic plague virus, put it on his hand, put it underneath the microscope. The person looked through the microscope and watched it die in his hand. Does bubonic plague kill people? Yeah, absolutely. Could bubonic plague kill John G. Lake? Without the grace of God, absolutely. But I'm pretty sure he had the word of the Lord. I mean, if, unless I had the word of the Lord, I'm not going to West Africa and start hugging people with uh, Ebola. But if I'm doing what he said to do, if I'm doing, if I'm doing his will, if I'm living my life according to his plan, and I happen to run across somebody and they sit in the seat next to me, and we end up drinking out of the same Coke bottle... I may die. I'll see you later. But just maybe, just maybe, we see a miracle of God. I, I like those odds. I, I mean, I'm, in, I'm into going with God. Why not? Let's try it. Let's go for it. Don't be afraid. All this stuff, this is the beginning. Sorry, folks, this is the beginning. You think it's bad now? If you've ever read Revelation... Plagues, wars, rumors of wars, beheadings. Woo! 
Think, you remember that old song, that old Christian song, Things Are Looking Great for a Miracle? That's really old. Sorry, folks. I just dated myself. Sylvan got to the part where the guy, what happens to the guy? Let's see if we can get there really quick. Verse 13, one of these servants said, let's take, let's, let, some make, take, let some men take five of the remaining horses. <laughs> they hadn't eaten five of them. That's nice. Glad they were saving a couple. Seeing that those who are left will fare like the whole multitude of Israel who are already perished, let us send and see. So they took two horses, two horsemen, and the king sent them after, with, uh, after the army of the Syrians, saying, Go and see. They went after them as far as the Jordan. Behold, all the way was littered with garments and equipment that the Syrians had thrown away in their haste. And the messengers returned and told the king. Then the people went out and plundered the camp of the Syrians. So a say of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two says of barley was for a, for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord." Now the king had appointed the captain on whose hand he leaned to have charge at the gate. And the people trampled him in the gate, so that he died, as the man of God had said when the king came down to him. For when the man of God had said to the king, Two says of barley shall be sold for a shekel, and a say of fine flour for a shekel, about this time tomorrow in the gate of Samaria, the, king, the captain had answered the man of God, if the Lord himself should make windows in heaven, could such a thing be? And he had said, you shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat of it. And so it happened to him, for the people trampled him in the gate, and he died. In these days, we have to trust God. In these days, it's not my opinion. Don't take it as my opinion. Please don't take it. If, if you think it's my opinion, do not trust it. But if you get the word of the Lord on something, move. But you have to get the word of the Lord. That's why being in the word, that's why, why listening to God, that's why being attentive to what he's saying, not just going through life dealing with things the way you do every day, but being aware of what God is saying and doing in today's day, you have to know. We have to know. You have to know which direction to go. Because when you have the word of the Lord, then you will eat of the best of the land. Amen? Let's stand. There's prayer partners here. Can you guys come forward? Be ready to pay, pray for people. We'll dismiss in just a moment. Father, your word. Your word gives us life. Your word makes it possible. Your word changes things. Father, we need to know what your word says, what we can base our lives on, what we can do, what we can follow and then give us the ability, help us to be faithful to it. Whatever our situation is, open the eyes of our understanding to understand truth, to understand the word of the Lord. Father, we do thank you for it. We thank you for truth and for life and for light. In Jesus' name, amen.